have a question for you two. Hopefully it's not too personal. What was your favorite cartoon theme growing up? Oh, shit. I like the Powerpuff Girls one. That was a pretty good one. Uh, you know what? Samurai Pizza Cats. I've literally never heard of that. Wait, you've never heard Samurai Pizza Cats? No. Uh, it just goes Samurai Pizza Cats. I, I mean, and then they I mean, say a bunch of other stuff, but I don't remember that. <laughs> the important thing is they relayed the name of the show and that's what made it important. That's what sells that's what sells the merchandise in the end. Yeah. Even though I've literally never heard of it, so I'm assuming it didn't last very long. <laughs> it's the it's It's the greatest show. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. My favorite cartoon growing up or cartoon no. intro growing up was the intro for Freakazoid. Because I do I've never heard that one. There's a line in it. Well basically Freakazoid's origin is told that he's a nerd on the computer and he went surfing on the interweb and got sucked into cyberspace and his brain got overloaded so he became the Freakazoid. Which is oh, just so all it's a of show us. About Freakazoid deserves better than that. <laughs> but like there's a part in the song where it just goes Freakazoid, chimpanzee. Like it has no like it's just nonsense. I mean, that sounds on par for Animaniacs. That's from Animaniacs, right? It was the same company that did Animaniacs. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that was, uh, oh, yeah. Animaniacs. Hey, you know what? There we go. There's a, there's a theme song we could all get behind. The Animaniacs theme song. Yeah. It's time for Animaniacs. And Bill Clinton's in there. It's, it's a very weird thing. Also, it's a pro-union song because they're talking about how they don't have enough, uh, they're talking about that contract thing. They've got union-paid contracts or something like that. Well, this is this is what you get for uh, hiring Woody Guthrie to write the uh, opening theme song. Um, that is true. Yeah. Wait. Wait a minute. This machine you... kills fascists? No? All right. You tried to get me. <laughs> You're right. This has been my plan all along. To wait three minutes and 19 seconds into recording your podcast. You Just tried to make you. me agree of something false. <laughs> what? I didn't mean it. Woody Guthrie did not actually write the Animaniacs song. I almost <laughs> blindly just went Just like, yeah. yeah. What is it, Yakko? Just, hey, we should kill some fascists. Which is really just Ringo. <laughs> I, I just real. it was always... I assume that was always Ringo voicing him. It's, I don't think it is, but it's basically just Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> this episode's now about the many different educational Animaniacs songs. <laughs> and there are also many crossovers with uh, They Might Be Giants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Music is Good. Hi! <laughs> uh... I'm Devlin Galloway, and today I am joined oh. by... Uh, hi, I'm Annie Nagrin. Hello, and I'm Madeline Hops. Continuing our, our guest parade for the last month, because we all miss Matt <gasps> dearly. I got a parade? Oh, this is so good! You're, you're one float of many. Yes! <laughs> I'll take it. As long as I'm the Garfield float. That's all I want to be. <laughs> Even Garfield the eats Garfield float. Macy's Day for... 
<laughs> Macy's Day float. I'm fascinated by Garfield Eads, honestly. Have you seen like the the like the like the dark? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, John. Like Garfield memes. Yes. Where it's just yes. like it's like it's like Lovecraftian Garfield. It's so good. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I've taken a form you can no longer comprehend. <laughs> I'm afraid, John. <laughs> Why do you cry, John? <laughs> Uh, today we're talking science fiction by the trip hop ensemble mashed together thing called Uncle. Woo! I don't know what to call this artist. It's such a. It's like just DJ Shadow and James Lavelle, but then a whole cast of guests. Yeah, I think it's officially classified as trip hop alt rock, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, that's its official designation. Well, I mean, alt rock can literally mean anything, so. That's true. Alt rock is such a like stupid term. It's so broad. I think yeah. I was talking about this before, but like, is indie rock the new alt rock? Like in terms of meaning, because indie just means nothing anymore. Yeah, I I mean like I think if you have a banjo in it, it it makes it uh, alt rock. <laughs> we got to appeal to the demographics. Throw a banjo in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we want to get right into it? Yeah, let's, let's talk a bit about sure. the album. Yeah, cool. I uh, welcome this week's episode of Music Is Good. Um, so the hey, I run. I'm Madeline Hops. Uh, I already explained that, so I don't know why I explained it again. Uh, so yes, this is actually one of my. <laughs> I've never been on a podcast before. Don't associate with podcasters. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, so this is one of my favorite albums uh, of all time. Uncle by Science Fiction, DJ Shadow, James Lavelle. DJ Shadow being one of my favorite musicians of all times. Uh, maybe later on a different show in the future, if I don't get kicked off this podcast, I could go on about him. Uh, but he uh, and James Lavelle did this amazing compilation album. And this uh, album that we're discussing is actually their first of, I believe, three albums they released under the name Uncle. Um, so it was kind of a uh, collaboration project uh, between a lot of people. Uh, I believe Annie mentioned that. I wrote down literally everybody's name who's collabed on this, and it's like a paragraph long. Yeah, so the the main artists for it, and yeah, I'm glad you did, but it uh, features a plethora of artists such as Cool G Rap, Alice Temple, Badly Drawn Boy, Richard Ashcroft, Atlantique, Tom York, Ian Brown, Latif the Truth Speaker, Richard Ashcroft, London Session Orchestra, Jason Newstead, <laughs> Mark Hollis, and Mike D of the Beastie Boys. My king. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, so like this album is arguably the worst Beastie Boys. Oh yeah, no. It... <laughs> I need y'all tier lists for Beastie Boys. <laughs> it goes, it goes, Ad Rock, MCA, and then Mike D. That's just the general consensus. I think MCA yeah, no, that's first. But well, they Mike D know. had to do something else. He's kind of like the Ringo of Beastie Boys. Speaking of Ringo, um. But anyways, uh, so basically just a huge smorgasbord of people. Um, and this falls into my category of favorite types of albums, which is like a bunch of musicians coming together, especially their first time, throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall with one person kind of guiding it and seeing what sticks. Um, Did you say spaghetti? Spaghetti, yes. Spaghetti about it. Makes me think of uh, the, do you guys remember the Tim and Eric spaghetti sketch? Yes. No? No. You remember spaghetti? Yeah. I remember spaghetti. <laughs> oh 
I'll send, I'll send you spaghetti later, Madeline. Oh, please. I would love to see this spaghetti because I, I just started saying spaghetti one day and I don't know why. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, uh, initially upon its release, uh, the album itself was mi- uh, met with mixed reception. Uh, John Mulvey of NME wrote that Shadow's music rarely get gels with Lavelle's chosen singers or even comes to terms with the song as opposed to groove format uh, of much of the material. And the AV Club's Joshua Klein criticized Uncle's decision to eschew hip-hop in favor of a more conventional alt-rock outline, which again, there's that word, concluding that science fiction can be chalked up to an ambitious failure. Its principles can be put on their resumes, but cultural historians need to put it in their books. That's a rude. Or needn't put. Yeah, needn't put it in their books. Um, so yeah, it was uh, at its time when it was released, which was 1998, not very well received. Uh, but the good news is, uh, like time with a lot of great pieces of art, it got better. Uh, in fact, uh, it was eventually, uh, and I believe Devlin had a point they wanted to bring up on this, but it was it was uh, mentioned to be the best al- one of the best albums of that era, and the 45th best trip hop album of all time by fact. We talk a lot about albums that are like, at first, nobody likes them, and then over time, everyone's like, shit, this is good. We've talked about a lot of albums yeah. like that. I think sometimes it just takes, like, it just takes a while to, like, for, I, I mean, not to get too t- much of a tangent, but, um, uh, uh, para- or, uh, Ex Military by, uh, the, uh, uh, Death Grips. Death Grips. Yeah. Um, the first time I listened to it, I was like, eh, like, it's okay. And then, like, now I listen to that album every single day, and it's just so fucking good. <laughs> the first time I heard that album, I laughed because of how angry MC Ride is. Yeah! <laughs> I'm, MC Ride is so mad. Who, All the time. who hurt you? Who hurt you, MC? But also, like, I didn't know that was a grower because I've been a Zach Hill fan. I've been a Zach Hill fan for years. <laughs> Go back to work at Amy Sound. Going back to the best 1998 album, I have several dozen rate your music uh, comments to read. Friend of the pod, Fear DM says, the most 1998 album ever made. This is not at all criticism. One. Friend of the pod, TJ's World 2011 says, this is the most 1998 album ever made. This is not at all criticism. Two. And etc. 121 more times. So, it's a, it's a, it's like, a widely known take. <laughs> I don't disagree. Like I think it is one of the most ninety nine, like nineteen ninety eight albums of all time. Uh, this is not <laughs> at a, all a criticism. criticism. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, like I think. It's I mean, true. this kind of came out around the same time as uh, Brand Van Three Thousands Discosis album, so it was like a time where there was like a lot of weird again throwing at a bunch of stuff at the wall, mixed media, and seeing what stuck. Um, I think the best way I can sum up this album, though, is it's the best shroom trip you never took. And so, like, and maybe we'll get into that a bit more. But, like, yeah, like, it is a really good trip-hop album. I used to be very much into trip-hop. This actually came along when I was finally starting to listen to my own music and not just my parents' music. Uh, so it was hugely influential for me. Uh, and, like I said, to this day, it's still, like, I'll put that album on at least once a week and just it groove to it. When did you first hear this album? Okay, sorry, yeah, so actually it was the, um, so the first time I actually heard this album, I know, uh, the exact time, uh, so it was in high school, like I said, it was just around the time that I was finally allowed to enroll in the arts programs, 
uh, after growing up and not like having to stick with maths and sciences and blah blah blah. So uh, one day uh, in my film class, we all got to go to Vancouver to go see the International Fil uh, Film Festival. And uh, a bunch of us, because we had some time to kill ahead of time, we went to the HMV downtown, the two-story one that used to be there. Oh, rest in peace. I know. It's so, it's so heartbreaking that that is gone. But nonetheless, we went there, and it's prime. Um, and I went with a couple of my friends. One of my friends named OG. Um, not O-N-G. Like, his name's actually OG. Um, but he went and bought, like, a like $300 worth of records and stuff. And I was looking around, I think I bought an MXPX album at that point in time. And so, uh, no, you know, the day goes on. Eventually we get back to the SkyTrain station at King George station. And we're the last two people listening to, uh, or just waiting for things to happen. And I'm looking at his albums and I'm, I see this one album, science fiction. I'm like, Hey, can I give this a listen? She says, sure. Pop it into my CD player. And like, I only had time to listen to the first song and a half, but it was just mind blowing, especially that first track. Um, and then literally oh, that, the yeah. And then uh, that night I went home and I, I paid a buddy five bucks to burn the entire album to CD, uh, which he downloaded from women, Winamax, uh, which, uh, you can give you an idea how old it was. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was such a pivotal thing. And then from there, it's just like, you know, it was Portishead. It was Maloko. It was, uh, eventually leading to modest mouse. So like uncle was one of the i would say first five albums that made me really start branching off and listening to music especially music from different parts of the world damn but also that's beautiful i i wish people would just go out and spend 300 dollars at a music store nowadays look God. If, if 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 i i do <laughs> i absolutely would I'm literally go into the record store today and i'm probably gonna spend at least 100 see i miss the I miss, I miss a and b sound uh there used to be one in langley and it was always just like you know speaking of pretentious it was just like a bunch of pretentious people in the back and you're like hey what's this so like how can you not heard of electric sticks and you're like okay well i'm sorry for a living <laughs> That was a very like 2006 sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, you dated you dated that perfectly, actually. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually almost unnerving how well you got that. That, that tone of voice and that hmm, I say around 2006. <laughs> Watch the hey, do you have the Harry Potter movie? Uh watch this by Gus Van Sant. This movie Elephant is so much better. Um <laughs> Like I said, I hung out with the art kids at that point in time. I had to speak I had to keep cred up. You also reminded me when people used to just carry like C D players around. Oh I yeah. Walkman. Remember when they Remember the godsend of when yeah, they were like, hey, it now comes with, like, anti-shock technology, so you can actually, like, walk with it, and it wouldn't skip every fucking step you took? Or the actual anti-shock stuff where your batteries <laughs> wouldn't get wet from the rain leaking into yep, your pocket yep. and actually zap your ears? Or or trying to get the CD player in your pocket in the first place. <laughs> so you're just walking down the, the street, and you got this big square in your jeans. You're like, sup? It was the only time where you're like, no, that's fine that you're wearing cargo shorts. That's okay. That's, fine. <laughs> that's why people wore cargo shorts. They needed to fit their giant ass phones and their <laughs> giant ass uh, soon, CD as players. As, the, as soon as the iPod hit the market, <laughs> cargo pant makers were just like, shit, this is it for us. <laughs> See, when you said that, I imagined them like being so frustrated, they ripped the bottom of their cargo jeans off of the zippers. It's like, <laughs> That's enough of these. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, 
the fuck? I like heard that sentence in like a memory somewhere like that. <laughs> it's a repressed memory. <laughs> oh, it's gym class. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, hell. 90s were dumb. Oh, they were. They were. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's, I, I mean, that's pretty, I guess, a pretty good overview of it. It was their first album. They went on to release three more, or two more, sorry. They were, they were all right, but nothing had the impact of this. And, um, like, it's just, it's a fucking good album. And when you're like, okay, well, you have to pick three songs to focus on, which I have, um, it's very hard to separate the song up because the entire song, or sorry, it's hard to separate this album up because every song has a place in this album to give like this full experience. And a lot of the songs by themselves aren't necessarily good unless paired up with the other tracks they're with. Um, I, I agree so with that. The first release that Uncle actually ever did was a remix single featuring Japanese hip hop crew Major Force. Which got Hell DJ yeah. Shadow's attention. And also, after this album was released, DJ Shadow separated from his group, wanting nothing to do with them afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, disowned them until, like, way later. Yeah, which is, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I think he was, uh, this was around the time that Introducing came out by DJ Shadow, uh, which is kind of his, one of his uh, magnum opus. Albums. I love Introducing. That will definitely it's so have its good. own episode one day. Yeah, that and Private Press were both phenomenal albums. I think there's only one or maybe two albums of DJ Shadows I don't like. But, um, yeah, no, he, uh, it was weird. I think he just didn't like the reviews it was getting, and it was affecting his own career at the time. Mm-hmm. That's, I think so as well. Also, the early pressings had bonus tracks. Uh, they had an instrumental version of Guns Blazing, and the re-releases had a new song called Be There that I think was done by the guy from the, the what's that band called? The Stone Roses. Mm. Yeah, it's Be There, and it was like a remix featuring the singer of the Stone Roses. I thought that guy was dead. Ian. I mean, back then he wasn't, I don't think. Maybe. <laughs> he was never truly alive. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I feel like for some reason he's dead, but... I'm probably wrong. They might have just sampled him. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm supposed to know. That's my job here. But, you know, <laughs> the research time is over. We're doing it live. One of my favorite things with this album was that, like, like, the eclectic roster was kind of a new thing. Like, you never really saw collabs between, like, Tom York and DJ Shadow. It was, like... That's such a weird collab. Like, the only one I could really think of that kind of came before this that was, like, a weird collaboration that I could think of was um, Cool Thing by Sonic Youth. Ah, yes. Um, but, like, that's the only time I ever really remembered before that of, like, of, like, a hip-hop alt-rock crossover. But Except for maybe, like, stuff that Public Enemy was doing, but... That's, yeah, really I would say I would say like this is one of those examples where uh, much like the desert love sessions, the desert sessions. Uh, by <laughs> so much. I know love the desert yeah. sessions too. They're so good. Um, but like this album, this album, even though like I enjoy it, but this album seemed very much based on the roster of the people that they had. This was almost like a a compilation album for musicians. 
Yeah. Like it was, it featured such a wide variety of people. And you're right. Like I still can't think of many albums that like, other than like charity albums or something where you had this much of a breadth of people from different backgrounds, even badly drawn boy uh, in this album, which is on one of the tracks that I want to talk about. Uh, that's just, it's, it's ludicrous. One of the singers is like a French pop singer who made this one other album and wow. that was it. Yeah. So it was, I don't, it's, it's nice to see like just when everyone kind of comes together and makes something for the joy of it. Yeah, I'm, I got distracted because I was looking at a picture of 1998 Tom York, <laughs> which is... Oh my god, send it. He, he looks like the most pretentious... Send Actually, it. He, look, he looks like a 2020 e-boy, basically. <laughs> send it. Put it in chat. Hold on, one sec, Drop one sec. That in the chat. Yeah, we need to take a... I, I want to see this before we continue. I had to find it again. <gasps> I want to see 98 Tom York. Because now he just looks like a recovering meth addict. <laughs> you're not wrong. That's incredibly harsh, but you're very not wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll borrow from the comments earlier. Uh, it's a very 1998 meth addict look for him, and that's not a bad thing. Um, where is it? I'm going to do a very unflattering one. That's fine. Just I just need a, I need a point of reference. <laughs> Give me my patient zero. Here we go. Oh! <laughs> Holy shit! Oh no! His mouth is trying to escape his mouth. <laughs> He's got like the the alien mouth going on, like the second mouth is coming out. He looks like a Matrix villain. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know what he looks like? He looks like Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies, but like. <laughs> His edgy, rebellious days against his father. <laughs> I've seen the video that this is from, and he's doing creep at a beach house show on MTV. Oh is... god, I remember that! I remember that video. He hates that video with a fiery passion. It's very funny. There was an interview with him, like just going off how much he hated that. I mean, it's pretty weird that MTV would ask you to play a beach party, and your music's like. I don't care if it hurts. The 90s were a mood, okay? The 90s were a mood. This also makes me think that in the 90s, Tom York was, like, the opposite zones, like, Billy Corgan. He kind of was. Oh. You know what? I'll take it. Anti-Billy Corgan. Anti-Billy Corgan. Nega-Billy Corgan. I think Billy Corgan's the nega Tom York. Oh, no, that's fair. No, actually, you know what? I take it back. You're absolutely right. I got blocked by um, Billy Corgan on Twitter. <laughs> that was one of the first things. music okay? No. He was going on a transphobic rant about not calling people the names they want to be called. And I just responded with, okay, William. And then I got blocked. <laughs> And now we enter the end find out phase. Anyway, um, the last fun fact I have is that the Japanese version had a hidden track, but like the coolest way you could ever do a hidden track. Like we've talked in the past on this podcast about interludes and hidden tracks, and we think that hidden tracks are good, but interludes need to die. But um, the Japanese version, <laughs> okay, Japanese version, the hidden track wasn't at the end. It was actually at the very beginning and only accessible through a CD player. You had to rewind the CD to track zero to hear it. What? Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's really that's cool. That's so dope. Because they must have fucked with the index file then. Oh, that's yeah. 
That's amazing. I've seen a lot of warnings saying, don't put this in your computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, actually, sorry. I know this is a side tangent, but this reminds me of the uh, We Are Scientists first album. Uh, it was when they were trying to figure out DRM back in the day. And like when you popped into your computer, it basically was malware. Um, <laughs> it was just You couldn't play it. They had their own music player for it. You couldn't copy it onto anything. It was the worst. Ha ha, pirate this, fuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's that line from, like, uh, Team America? Surprise, dickbag. <laughs> <laughs> and also, guns blazing nursery rhyme, and nursery rhyme were mixed and recorded in California, actually, while the rest of the album was done yeah. in London. Like, this album is, all, is, like, as much USA as it is Britain. Like, it's just a mix. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. I had to look up what trip hop was exactly, like a few hours ago, because I've heard (laughs) it tossed around. The first time I ever heard of trip hop, I was watching the music video for Sugar Cube by the, what are they called? Portishop? Some, no. no. Fuck, what are they called? Anyway, it was a song called Sugar Cube, and in it, this person passes a note to the person in front of them, and it's like, do you like trip hop? And I'm like, what the hell is that? And of course, I know, I know like Portishead and all that, but I've never like had the genre explained to me, so I had to look it up on Wikipedia and feel like a big nerd. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, like I would say it's like the early proto uh, uh, lo-fi hip-hop channel. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. like it is, it is like I don't know, it's just down-tempo, moody, uh, like it's it's hip-hop and ambient thrown together. I think is like a gross oversimplification of it. Yeah, and also hilariously, the other name for it is down tempo. Okay. Well, there we go then. Do I look like I know what a trip hop is? <laughs> Damn it, Bobby! <laughs> it's all toilet sounds. <laughs> Pour on some porters, head, Bobby. <laughs> um, so let's get into the tracks. Guns blazing, drums of death, part one. It's like the first track. What yes. a name. track on the album. First track on the album. And what I would argue, it's probably one of the best first tracks on an album uh, ever. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. So, like, it is It is nuts. So, I mean, like, first off, the first 60 seconds of that album are this slow orchestral rise with this beeping from, like, nothing to, like, just this uh, this swell. Uh, and it ends in this, uh, this one line, a sample clip from a sci-fi film saying, somewhere in space this could all be happening right now. And that is the best welcome mat to a song I've I've ever seen, because then it's just the drums kick in, uh, and it's just it's heavy break beats for the entire fucking song. It's um, so good. Break beats make me so happy. Yeah, and it was it, it was so uh, good, yes. and it was just like, and the nice thing I think I found out about this, uh, it was the rapper Cool G Rap who was on this uh, with some other people, but he was the main one going over this, uh, and. It was cool because I found that the drums in this were like almost the secondary singer to this, um, where like it was the drums and uh, Cool G rap rapping that were the main focuses of the song mixed in with the sci-fi uh, uh, lines from films. But it was like the drums itself was the second rapper on the track. Yeah, it feels like almost like the rapping was almost just like emphasize the beat going on in the background exactly like it it was like a backup vocal to the drums themselves which is a very interesting uh way of doing that and 
like the way that they had the drums intermingle too is like it was like this dizzying journey uh dizzying journey uh the best way i can equate it in terms of like visuals it's like a less scary version or less jarring version of the uh the the riverboat scene in charlie and the chocolate factory oh my uh, god i can i kind of get that yeah like it's just like it's all over the place in terms of like uh it's like a roller coaster literally in the sense of like there's parts where like it slows down and breaks and then it goes back into it and then it stops again it's up and down um but it's not jarring the place that it's off-putting it just keeps you focused on the track and what's happening next I find myself spacing out during this one because I get very like involved in the soundscape of the song. It's right. It's it's like hypnotizing. It's very good. Uh, and the, the part, uh, the, even the the little parts of this, like you said, the other the the, the, the there's like a lot of uh, layering to the song. Uh, the ending. I like really lush. Like I wrote layering as well, but it's yeah. so lush and like like yeah the like lush is just the perfect term yeah and like, and when the track ends too it ends on this perfect note uh which is like this culmination of because it like does the sci-fi uh, part does tell a story and i i was looking to see if i could figure out where this was sampled from uh but i can't uh, i have a list the... of all the samples actually oh shit do you know what movie this is from the samples um, I, I have a list of every everything sampled on this track but i don't know if it's the exact one okay well, the um, the ending, like I said, the, the sci-fi part was basically telling the story of this, like, uh, space fighter who's just flying through the air and basically getting attacked. And then the ending the ending of the track is great because it goes into the second track, which is the, um, was it, uh, Off-World Mission Control, Can You Hear Me? U-N-K-L-E-77, uh, Are You There? And it's, like, in this moment, like, after this huge chaotic mess, well, not mess, sorry, this huge chaotic soundscape, uh, lushness, everything layering. We're left alone with this one guy saying, are you there? Like he's lost out in space. And honestly, that's like kind of how it feels the first time you listen to this album. At least it did for me because you're just like, I have no idea what I just listened to. I loved it. It was amazing. I have no idea what this was. You just came out of hyperspace. Exactly. Um, or ludic- ludicrous speed or what was it? <laughs> <Space> <laughs> <balls>? <laughs> they've, they've gone to plaid. That's what it was. Activate the weirdness drive. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was just driving. It was hard, but it was it was good. It just feels refreshing. The things sampled on this were uh, Countdown from Alan Hawkshaw, um, parts from the trailer of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, uh, Tulio de... I'm going to murder this. Tulio de Piscopo's Medium Rock Frank Zappa's apostrophe, withered Buffalo Station slash get on down to Memphis, and sound effects from the video game Galaxian. Oh, okay, wow. Cool. That's awesome. Cool combos, yeah. Yeah, DJ Shadows, like, a lot of his stuff is known for that. Um, he had one album that he did with Cut Chemist. Uh, I believe it was called, yeah, Product Placement, and the entire album is 45 uh, and, uh, like, ads. Like, he remixes a Sprite ad and a bunch of stuff to make these funky hip-hop beats. It's so fucking cool. It's the voice of um, generation. But yeah, like, him, a lot like Cut Chemist, they, they, they take from a lot of different sources, not just one. And I think that's what gave DJ Shadow his longevity, was that he doesn't just stick to 
uh, one source, even though he has a signature sound, he pulls them from a lot of different places. Yeah, like uh, it's a very modern way of doing that. I think he probably like helped pioneer that sound where you pull from several different sources of media to create almost like a sound collage. Yeah, uh, even ones that you wouldn't expect. Like again, you know, a fucking video game, which again at the time in 98 was probably not that common. Um, no, not at all. But uh, yeah, no, like just in terms of like a first track for the album, it sets this perfect uh, moment because, uh, like I said, at the ending where you're just alone by yourself with this one pilot, it's just it's a breather. And then, like when it goes into the next tracks, it's just I don't know. It's a, it's 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 far more grooving um, and listless. Like you're kind of adrift in space to some degree. So yeah, like I mean, like I don't know. Like it's just it's such a like I would say off the entire album, this is probably my favorite track. Me too. Oh, it's um, so good. Oh, Sam. Yeah, it just hits in the right way. I have a theory about okay that. Can- I'm reading the lyrics right now, and they're all about, like, the mafia and crime bosses, and it references a lot of, like, drug crimes and gangs in the past. And I think the first track might actually be about escaping. And then, like, the second track going into, like, I'm alone out here is, like, getting away, and now you have a moment of clarity or, like... Yeah, actually, that I had that same thing written down, so I agree with you entirely. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, and also the way that Cool G hypes up the song, it's very much like the way that a lot of uh, hip-hop artists hype up their own music. But, like, you're right, I actually put that in as well, which is just, like, it feels like you're escaping whatever it is, and at the end you finally get it, but you're just adrift in 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 space. Space. Somewhere in space, this could all be happening right now. Well, I mean, it's true. We can't. Yeah. <clears throat> Morty, Morty, listen. <laughs> no, stop that. <laughs> Morty, these roll- guns are blazing, Morty. I'm going to roll up a newspaper and be like, no, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. Okay. Keep your God pickles mass. to yourself. <laughs> Funniest damn thing I ever saw. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, next song. Nurse- All right, yeah, Nursery Rhyme Breather, track seven. Um, so this is one of those tracks that I... Um, I would argue that this is the oddball track on the album, full of oddballs. Interesting. Uh, and the reason being is, is that it's... Uh, so, again, so in the earlier parts, I mentioned that like the best part of this album is that everything works together and a lot of songs don't work without the songs that pre- uh, come before it or after it. And I would argue that Nursery Rhyme Breather is one of those things. So it is... Uh, again, we see the return of drums to some degree, but this time we see a much... Uh, like an overdrive, very, uh, like a clean overdrive guitar being the main driving force of the song, uh, eventually joined by uh, the drums again and a uh, and the singer Badly Drawn Boy. And so what leads, what I find is so good about this track is the track that comes before it, which is uh, getting ahead in the lucrative field of artist management, uh, which is first off is an amazing title and Fall Out Boy uh, stole it uh to some degree you're right and you but, should say it yeah <laughs> but also but i love a long song title all my song titles have ridiculously long titles no they're they're good i'm not gonna knock them um but the the one before this was actually an ad for a, like a legit ad for a game that came out a while ago and it was called ball buster um oh, it yeah, the the track six is this uh this uh da 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 and it's just this ad for an actual game uh, called Ball Buster, and it's just they're playing the ad there, which is this hilarious break from everything else that came before it. 
Um, and then we get into Nursery Rhyme Breather, which is track seven. And that track to me feels like if nursery or sorry, if uh, getting ahead in the lucrative field of artist management is the intermission on the album, um, then Nursery Rhyme Breather feels like the second act. And so it's this very clean driving. You're kind of going back into uh, being propelled again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the tracks before this one were very, again, very good, but very more, much more mellow and kind of moving through things, uh, darker tempos, that sort of stuff. Uh, but Nursery Rhyme Breather, just like, you know, it's the once had ethereal tones, melancholy and spiritual nature. This was, again, very aggressive, much like track one. Okay. I feel like like this one kind of has a bit of a breakbeat as well, but I feel like even on songs that are don't really seem like any kind of hip hop, Mm-hmm. The breakbeats throughout the album really tie it together and cement it as like a hip hop, trip hop album. Yeah. No, and um, it, they also did a very interesting thing. I agree. And the interesting thing I find is that they still made it a trip hop sounding tone and song while also putting a very aggressive guitar yeah. in there, um, which mm-hmm. is something I have not seen yeah. done in a lot of trip hop artists. Um, and so. Like it was, uh, yeah. I mean, like as best I can tell about the song too, and the lyrics there, it sounds like a love. It sounds like falling in love during a drug trip at a rock show. Um, That's kind of what I was getting as well. Yeah, and and it's also too like uh, Devlin. Back to your point about earlier as well. uh, If we want to go into the nature of like psychedelics and drugs, which I think this album, as much as I joke about it, I think is very heavily influenced like by that. I, I think trip hop in general is. Um, this nat- this album is, or sorry, this track is also a sense of rebirth. I know it sounds cliche, but there's uh, at the end of the at the end of the track, there's a certain uh, lyrics he repeats over and over again, and there are four sections, and they are, "Won't you sing me a nursery rhyme to keep me quiet while you're on fire? Please just sing me a nursery rhyme to keep me quiet while I'm inside. I won't let you fall in love. I know inside the baby knows, and then your baby knows." Um, and then it swells up again and ends, which to me, it sounds like an idea of just like, I don't know, like starting again from scratch uh, with what kind of came before this track and the feelings that those elicited. I was actually going to say something. We're very on the same page about this. Yeah, no, I, I kid you not. I, I was like, When you said the first time, I was like, wow, I literally have that written shit. I also think this song, like production wise, is the most <laughs> modern sounding, like going back to like sounding yeah. like lo-fi hip hop beats to study to stuff it's like <laughs> have y'all done that album yet because that album is still being produced it's it's, com- uh, it's, it's great it's coming <laughs> get, but, uh, get the get the girl from the channel on the show <laughs> see my ultimate plan here is to get hatsune miku and i'm just gonna go into the vocaloid and make all the answers myself <laughs> miss, <laughs> miss, <laughs> miss hatsune uh so what was it like to write saint anger I'm going to make a bold claim because you brought it up. I think the snare in St. Anger is kind of cool. I'll be I'll be right honest with you right now. I haven't heard the album. I just know the name. So it's... Are we, Fair. I can't believe we're bringing up Metallica again. When the Metallica episode comes, I, I have... I've listened to maybe one Metallica song. I made like one Metallica song, but the the name was so dumb. I just remembered Last it. Last time we talked to a Metallica, we had a really bad time. <laughs> oh yeah, right. We did do that. It wasn't just a fever dream. <laughs> no, we did. We did. We didn't imagine Lou. 
Therapist, Lulu doesn't exist. It can't hurt you. Lulu. <laughs> I am the table. <laughs> um, when the next time we get to talk about Metallica comes, I have so many things to say that I will not explain now, but I'm just going to say Metallica killed your family's computer because of LimeWire. LimeWire is Metallica's fault. I'll explain later. Have you guys seen the ad where Lars Ulrich um, come, like, breaks into this guy's dorm to tell him to stop pirating music? Oh, yeah! Stop stealing my <laughs> shit! <laughs> I, I, the, so those were great. I loved the ones, though, when it was just, like, him and the band trying to look sincere. But, like, with the same, like, earnesty that they were telling, like, to, like, stop violence in Africa... Or they're just, they're just like, please, downloading music is no different than war crimes. Like the, like the, like the Pee Wee's Playhouse ad about crack. And it's like, Metallica just the lights being like, downloading music really hurts us. <laughs> they just, and then they come up behind, it's just them looking off into a sunset. Tonight, I won't be able to buy my third vehicle. I won't be able to buy as much cocaine. We cannot make Saint Anger if you keep downloading our music through Navster. The generous donations like yours. Metallica, brought to you by listeners like you. Whiny ass bitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, um... I agree with you about the production value of this being like the most modern song. And I think that's why maybe um, this felt like an oddball track to me because everything else sounded like more of a product of its time. And this sounded mm. a bit more ahead of it. Um, yeah. I wrote a note that was like this album just sound or sorry, this song sounds like it just came out. Yeah. Like it aged, it aged really well. Yeah. No, like it, it, it just it stands out, but I think it's a good thing to also snap people back because again, it's like the the the, the goof track before it was the intermission, and this is basically to get people's uh, attention. Like I find with a lot of albums, uh, and I don't know if this is like a, a a specific design choice, but I get kind of worn out by the middle, where I I, I feel exhausted from listening, even if it's a good album. It's just like it's been a lot of investment I've had to have in it, and so. Because of the way that they tracked this track and the track before it, yeah. it gave me enough of a... Well, it's funny. This is called literally Breather, Nursery Rhyme Breather. Um, and it feels like uh, it gives me an energy to get through the rest of the album. You know, yeah, I feel like I also find myself getting exhausted halfway through a lot of albums, even if I love them. Just yeah. because I just want to... Because usually the middle of the album is like where the filler is, you know? And then sometimes you just don't get over that bump. And yeah. Yeah, and this and this like this album doesn't have filler, yeah. uh, and it doesn't look like it was designed to, especially since it was a first album. But like, it I don't think this album would have succeeded without this track specifically. Like, there's there's some tracks I could argue that maybe if they weren't on here, uh, the album would still be good. But this track was completely necessary, as was the track before it, uh, because it it broke up the tone and the monotony. Mm -hmm. uh, that could have formed, uh, because what came after this track was kind of a return to, I don't know, it was a little more upbeat of the first couple tracks, but it was still like the, the 
traditional trip hop in terms of it was more ambient, mellow, moody, that kind of stuff. Do we want to get into the third song? So this song, I didn't actually hear until today, even though we've been preparing for this episode for like three weeks now, because I tried to find it and the way that you had sent it to me when it yeah. said Atlantique, I was like, where the hell? I can't, I don't <clears throat> sorry, see it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> No, it's okay. I, it's, I finally found it. I'm like, oh. So I'm like yeah, furiously writing notes like an hour before we started doing this. I, I, uh, yeah. I like copy and pasted it. And it was just, I guess it had the artist on it. Because I, I, I pulled it from Spotify. So yeah, no, Atlantique was the, the singer they got to on this. Uh, so yeah, track 10, Chaos. So It's about our uh, boy Jordan Maxwell. It's all uh, about that Illuminati. Is it? It's a, it's actually a sample in the song. They sample a bit of speech from conspiracy theorist Jordan Maxwell about oh. explaining the methodology of what many describe as the Illuminati. Beautiful. Oh, okay. Well, actually, that kind of lines up, again, with what I've written. You and I are surprisingly on the... Have we ever been on a podcast together? I don't think so. Anyways. Nah. The, uh... <laughs> so, yeah, the beginning of the track for Chaos is a bunch of, like, um... I guess like different voices and it sounds like you're going through a lot of different people's conversations until you eventually land on this one conversation. Um, and the, and it basically goes, uh, you're protecting society. How chaos happens. There's too many people here followed by like three piano notes. And it's very much referencing, uh, the chaos of, uh, guns blazing. Well, at least I think so. At least a callback to that, uh, where it's basically, I don't know. It's, it feels like when the day after you wake up from uh, a night of partying with drugs, and then the next day there's like this weird kind of bright clarity to it. Um, and then unlike the tre- uh, the previous two tracks that we discussed, this track contains uh, next to no drumming. Uh, I believe the only thing that's in there is basically crash cymbals to highlight certain vocal points. Um, but what this relies on instead is the singer's voice, Atlantique, and some lo-fi guitar calmly strumming in the background. It's very, like, um, shoegaze, almost. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of white noise on this track, which I really like. Yeah, like, it, it, and this is kind of what I was coming back to with, like, the drug, when coming off of Drug Hive the next day, which is just very much, like, you can hear, like, the ambient noises of, like, cars honking of a busy c- a city, and it feels like that sobering moment where you're coming back into uh, the reality of things. Yeah. And, um... And also, too, I was looking at the lyrics for this, and interestingly enough, uh, this song specifically calls back to Nursery Rhyme Breather. One of the ending parts being, uh, no one hears the sound, fear is all around, turn the music loud, no more lullaby. Um, hmm. So, whereas Nursery Rhyme Breather, like I said, is like that, is like almost like the, 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 the second part of the drug trip, this is like, okay, that's now over, and you're now sobering up and back into the world as it is. I did not make that connection, because I was thinking that going off like the the drug trip thing where it's like yeah no more lullaby like no more niceness no more comfort because you're snapped back to reality and all that kind of stuff but that's yeah. a way more interesting take actually and then like the end too where she says learn to fly is almost like an encouragement to learn to operate back in uh the sobriety and then lovely enough it just ends on the same three piano notes that started the song and then the food uh, fighters learn to fly comes in yeah <laughs> Uh, I thought it was William Shatner's cover of Everlong, but, uh... Oh my god, that exists. (laughs) But, um, no, so, I mean, like, it was nice. It was, like, it's this nice sobering thing where it's just, like, I mean, like, if you never... I I personally have never done the drug, 
uh, ever. Uh, but if I did, I would imagine that this is very akin to also the next day when you're waking up from a hangover. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like a, it's I like it. It's a much simpler track compared to its uh, its counterparts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel that that was what made it stand out. Whereas Guns Blazing was very chaotic. Nursery Rhyme Breather chaotic as well, but very. I found that the strength in that one was the powering of the guitars. Uh, Chaos came along, gave us a moment to just like I don't know, sleepily wake up. Uh, when I hear this song, it's like I can see like waking up, getting coffee, and you're just looking outside the window after you're at the club last night, or you were at a friend's house doing drugs, and you're just like you're trying to gain what is real and what is not that confusing time in between, um, and what memories were real and what memories weren't, and then you basically like the track ends with "Learn to Fly." is very much a sense of, uh, like, all right, well, back to it, I guess. And then rabbity, like, you're on the drive going somewhere. Yeah. I like, I yeah. like that a lot, actually. Yeah, dra- la- rabbit in your headlights, uh, or to me, like, is almost like the, the depressing come back to reality. Damn it, Tom York. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> oh, Tommy boy. Um, but yeah, so, like, chaos <laughs> is just boy. nice, and it's, it's, it's... I think I don't know. Like I like the way it's all composed, especially with the, uh, the the uh, vocal tracks, which I did not realize were related to the Illuminati, which makes it so much better. Um, yeah, that whole opening bit is a sample, like speech about like the. It is out of the Ordo Obcow, a a Jesuit Masonic occultist uh, belief that something manipulates and controls world events. This is a whole bunch of gibberish I'm reading here. Yeah. Uh, culty nonsense. I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. But I have problems. Um, <laughs> so, but like, yeah, no, like, I, like, I, I don't know. I like this because it's just, again, it relies on the tracks beforehand because this track by itself is pretty boring. I could argue, like, well, not boring. That's wrong. It is very, it doesn't stand out as well. But because you have of to be in a very specific fo- mood to like listen to this. On yeah, that's a better. Yeah, that's a better way of putting that. I would agree. Um, mm. But it's just because of what came before it, uh, it just, it's this nice, I don't know, it's just relatively sobering moment before the last track of the album. Unless you buy the deluxe edition. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, Chaos. Uh, fucking all three songs, Guns Blazing, Nursery Rhyme Breather, Chaos, all amazing tracks, but... If you're going to listen to this album, please just actually put the time aside to listen to the entire album, uh, because otherwise you will kind of miss it. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly it's very pleasant. It's very good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Coming into this, I had never heard of Uncle, and from things yeah. you had posted on Twitter and things I've heard you talk about, oh. I assumed it was folk punk. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First off, how dare you? Secondly, how fucking dare you? Uh, I mean, I'm just going off from what I've seen. I mean, to be fair, it was either this or I was going to uh, ask you to do, uh, which album was it by uh, fucking uh, Wingnut Dishwashers (laughs) Union? Uh, Uh, Fucking Pat. I I love Pat. Pat's a good boy. I like how his albums later on after you get out of rehab are just him trying to get better. And I think one track is just animal noises. But anyways, I love him. Hey, want another Metallica fact? Yes, always. <laughs> Jason Newstead from Metallica played on this album. Uh, what? <laughs> wait, oh my god, you're right. I wrote that down, too. 
<laughs> Holy shit, it's six degrees of separation with fucking Metallica. That's what, you know, right. there's something you guys should do for your later shows, is just figure out the connection to Metallica. <laughs> I mean, all our episodes have a weird connection. Like, it's either related to, like, Lou Reed in some way, or to suicide in some way. The artist, not the act. And Okay. <laughs> and, um, I was like, fucking, Jesus. And ever since we did Lulu, fucking Metallica's been in our sphere of influence. So, we'll see where that goes. Did you know Spice World was produced by Lars Ulrich? <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine spice world but the like the the snare is the snare from saint anger on every song <laughs> very small group of listeners out there please if you have editing skills can you just give me a version of um what's that big spice girl song uh spice up your life yeah that let's go with that one can you just throw the metallica snare in there for me please Send it to us. So fucking perfect. I just want to hear that. I honestly went into this, like I said, expecting folk punk. No offense. <laughs> so I was very pleasantly surprised. And honestly, it really rips. And I think it's an album definitely, like you said, worth sitting through the entirety of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, this album was extremely formative for me. Uh, it, w- it was because of this that I wanted to find other acts. Uh, not just in trip hop, but in also other genres. Like it really was like a saving grace album for me because prior to that, uh, I was stuck listening to, uh, I was stuck listening to Christian Contemporary and Garth Brooks Live. Um, <laughs> so uh, if I hear uh, Friends in Low Places, I just I take one year off my life. Uh, so you're saying you don't want to come back on to do Garth Brooks later? I will. I will figure out how to burn a podcast to the ground. I don't know how I'll do it, but I'll do it. Um, so like prior to this, like I didn't really have much of a, I had a very sheltered upbringing, but like when this, I heard this, it was just, it was incredible. It was just like what music could be, what it didn't have to be this other thing. It could be something much more. Um, you know, I found albums like uh brand van 3000s discosis, uh, which is an amazing album. I would love to do sometime. Uh, and you know, just, uh, DJ shadow in general, uh, the way that he works, um, like, I don't know. It's just. It's such a fucking good album. I don't know if it'll be as impactful to other people. And I think now with a lot of bands like the Gorillas and other uh, acts, uh, you know, this this album probably sounds like a early proto version of those. But this is kind of one of the early versions of where it started. And it was really nice to see. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Annie? I have a cool fact. Um, I didn't know this, but but I just... And it has absolutely nothing to do with this album except that it's a British fact. But um, uh, um, Mick Jones from The Clash played in the Gorillas. Have at it. And who hired? And who hired Mick Jones? Lawyer Zalric. There you go. There's your Metallica <laughs> cover. Um, I kind of like Devlin. I was going into this with no prior experience, so um, I had heard the name, but I had never listened because I thought the name was stupid. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's entirely fair. <laughs> I was like, this name sucks. Why don't I listen to this? And then as soon as I, as soon as I threw it on, I was like, holy shit, I've been missing out. This is mm-hmm. so good. Um, and... I don't know, man. I just think it's such a lush, such a layered album. It's so beautifully, like, 
perfected and stuff. There's like not a single mistake. It's just bam, 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 like, like just perfected. And there's something about that that's just really <coughs> satisfying because we've listened to a lot of um, imperfect albums and like you know more lo-fi, less less funded albums, and coming back to something that's um, that's like purposeful purposeful yeah is is being interesting yeah i uh i think one of the reasons to this album stands out and i don't think you could ever recreate an album like this again is that this kind of came uh around the time of the switch from like analog music to digital music and i think something happened in there that allowed this album to exist uh because things were just yeah. switching over to to like piracy and whatnot um and I don't know, like, I guess that was the thing is like with the digital music production now being more of a thing, uh, like, I guess that's what allowed this album to exist. And like nowadays, like you could easily piece something like th this together on like any Mac computer. Um, and I think that's what makes it so beautiful now is it's like it yeah. was, I don't know, it's just, it's just, it's just, I hate this phrase, but like, it's innocent. Like this album is just like an innocent labor of love. It's just a little baby. It's just, it's. I would sing it a lullaby. Yeah. To keep it quiet. To... Okay, I'm no. I'm good. What do you guys listen to this week? Um. You want to go first? Uh, let's let the guests uh, go first. Me go first? Yeah, go. You go first. Okay. Um. To talk about the Clash again, I'm. I've been listening to London Calling. Um. I mean, I've been listening it's to great album. 1919 by John Cale. And I've been listening to um, Modern Lovers 88 uh, by Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, uh, which is, this, yes, like the 70s Modern Lovers, but they, they just kind of, they just kind of changed and became Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. But that album is really good. It's very summery and it makes me happy. So that's what I've been listening to. Yeah. Um. I've been listening to Carolyn Polachek. The song You're So Hot, You're Hurting My Feelings is a fucking jam. <laughs> and I've been casually... That's so fucking good! And I've been casually throwing uh, the term You're So Blank, You're Hurting My Feelings into just my, my usual lexicon of things I pull out in conversation <laughs> to seem cool and interesting. And um, I've also been listening again to Hella, just kind of going through their like, discography. It's Zach Hill who is also from Death Grips. Uh, earlier projects, rock, yeah. lots of noise and math kind of rock. It's very, very good. Uh, Biblical Violence is a fantastic song. And what nice. else have I been listening to? <clears throat> I've been revisiting Of Montreal. Um, oh, shit. They're, they're so good. And I definitely want to like come oh, back and do an episode about them. They're Especially good. the album The Sunlandic Twins, which was very formative for me. I heard the song Rafe pinned to other blah, 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 some long title. That's the uh, that's the actual title. It's not, but you know, I'm I'm just gonna say it is. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that part out. Um But yeah, just a very good album <laughs> of Montreal's great. It's good. What have you been listening okay. to, Madeline? Uh so I uh I I mean a few things. Uh like uh T V on the radio. Uh they're fucking young liars ep to this day is still probably again another perfect album it's just so fucking good oh, um love. that along with uh, <laughs> ghetto superstar by prass old dirty bastard and maya 
Uh, that's a fucking it's a good track it's so fucking good um and then also a band uh older one uh i discovered recently which is a folk implosion i feel like Um, i've heard of that before there it's interesting with them um because they sound like the again much like the early uh was it like folk punk bands would take from this later on uh as the name implies folk implosion uh but like they were in like the early '90s and they never really took off. So, but they have some really good tracks. Uh, I would list. I if anyone wants to take a listen, "Palm of My Hand" and "Fucking Was It uh, Slap Me" are just amazing tracks. And then just uh, good old fashioned mindless self indulgence. Oh my god, they've been like they've been like yeah. circling me lately. You, I mean, there was a, how I learned to stop giving a shit and love mindless self-indulgence is amazing album. I loved it. I mean, Frankenstein Girls is a classic, oh, but this is also a pretty good absolutely. album. Apparently, the, he also just I'm released an album it. with uh, Sergey from System of a Down. Oh, really? I'm going to look that into yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I got I to take a look. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it's, yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to call it. Uh, I'm Devlin Galloway. You can follow me at Devlin Galloway on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my record label, Placeholder Records, at Placeholder Rec on Twitter and at Placeholder Records on Instagram. You can follow this podcast at Music Is Good Pod on Twitter. Our Instagram is not working right now. Ugh. What the fuck happened? I uh, I run it and I'm offline. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that sounded like way more foreboding. Like somehow you, <laughs> your entire IP is being held hostage by some like Norwegian terrorists. And he's uh, under house arrest and can't go on the internet. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Now, now I feel well, now I feel self indulgent for giving out my social media information. Oh, okay. Well, I will then. You go okay. Uh, I'm Annie Negrin, and you can follow me at John Wayne Gacy official on Instagram. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am not online right now, but you can follow me. Cool. Uh, and I am Madeline Hops. I am at Rabbit underscore is dead on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, I am also on another podcast called Tranifesto Pod. Uh, you can find or just Tranifesto. Our Twitter handle is Tranifesto Pod. Uh, in which we discuss uh, queer representation in media. Um, it's terrible. Please don't listen to it. But if you'd like to and you hate yourself enough, please go listen to it. Um, and outside of that, Good. I do horror illustrations. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm trying to keep up with uh, Drogist this month. So hopefully that's cool. And uh, then I go back to school for making video games. So fucking choice. Damn. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Fuck yeah, bye. <laughs> And I'm gonna stop.